I'm so glad you are here this morning. Today is going to be so good. I'm really, really grateful that you've decided to join us today. If you have not been here the last couple weeks, we are in week uh, four of our series called My New Normal. We started off by talking about really how on uh, a God's best for us is always on the other side of our yes. And this time of year when we can give our yes to so many things, how can we give God our next best yes? And then the week after that, we dialed in even more and talked about if we're going to say yes, then we really got to begin to decide and be able to listen and hear his voice for us. And then if you missed last week, let me be real clear. Uh, Steve Mackey brought one of the most helpful and encouraging messages that I've heard on marriage in a long time. I promise you. And if you did not listen to it, go back and listen to it. I'll tell you this just real quick. Um, He's not just somebody that comes in and brings a powerful message. He is a gift as a friend and as somebody that speaks into my life. And what you see up here is only this much of what you get behind the scenes. And so go back, listen to his message. It was really powerful. I would love for you to, uh, to hear it. It was really, really good. And so this morning, we're gonna be building on that and talking about, okay, so here's the thing. If we're hearing God's voice, if we're saying yes, if it's infecting us in our marriages, how do I have a vision that, guilt, that goes beyond myself? Because really, this is not it, right? I hope that this isn't the show. Like, if my life is just about me, then that's a shrink-down version of what the invitation of God is. Because the truth is, you and I are never, were never created for ourselves. We're created to design to reflect Him and His purpose. And so if that is true, how do you and I begin to have a vision that goes beyond ourselves? And so I'm kind of a nerd, uh, and I really like to study um, uh, the church, and not just like Riverside in general, but really the global church. And I found a fascinating article this last week, and I want to share just a little bit of it uh, with you this morning. It talked about, it studied lots of uh, different churches over the last 20 years, and they found that there is this natural trend in churches that, whether you believe it or not, most churches tend to drift towards unhealth decay and actually closing their doors. They stated that about five to 7,000 churches close their doors every single year in the United States, which is pretty profound. And the article went back and they traced this common thread of why that, why that might be true. And what they found is that is not only true of just churches, but they've also discovered that that is true for businesses and in places where you work. And so if you're a business owner or you're employed somewhere, you know this to be true as well. And they found what actually leads to the steady decline and ultimately the death of so many organizations is one thing. And that one thing is they forget what business they are in. Or you might say it this way, they forget what their mission is and what the nature of their mission calls them towards. So uh, the question would be is, what does that have to do with the church? So back in the 1800s, uh, this article goes on and it points to, in the 1800s, the railroads were the primary way that people would travel. There's the main source of transportation in the 1800s until airplanes came around and the railroad companies had an opportunity to be on the forefront of discovering new ways of modes of transportation in the United States, but they forgot what their business they were in. They believed that they were in the business of the railroads, not in the transportation business. 
Also, the article pointed out in the 1800s when it was talking about the tele telegraph, that the telegraph company, when it showed up on the scene, was the dominant way that people would communicate until the telephone showed up on the scene. And actually, the, the, te the telegraph people had the opportunity to buy the patents for the telephone for under $40,000. And they said, no thanks. We are in the telegraph company. And... Do you see the telegraph anymore? Absolutely, why? Because they forgot what business they were in. They thought they were in the telegraph business and not in the communication business. Okay, so what, did, what does that have to do with us? Because that's a long time ago, right? You've experienced it, I've experienced it. I worked at Blockbuster Video when I was 16 years old. Do you see those around anymore? No, those are those strange places where you would go and rent VCRs and I would charge you $3 for not rewinding it if you returned it unwound, right? They're not, they, why are they not around anymore? Because they forgot what business they were in. They believed that they were in the rental business and not in the entertainment business. And they completely missed out on streaming because ain't nobody going to rent videos anyway. Everybody streams their stuff online now. If we take that understanding and we bring that down to the church, why do so many churches tend to, to gravitate towards decline and ultimately close their doors? I believe that's because the church has forgotten its mission and it's forgotten what business it is in. Wouldn't it be nice if somehow Jesus had something to say about the nature and the mission of what his bride was to be in this world. Wouldn't it be really helpful if Jesus gave us a description of how the bride is supposed to function in this world or the impulse of the church? Wouldn't that be nice? I'm lucky you asked this morning because he is that kind and he has got some good stuff for us this morning. So if you have been around church for a while or maybe you've grown up in it, you've heard of no doubt the Great Commission. That is some of the last words that Jesus ever spoke here on earth. And it's where he, I think, gives us the clearest picture of the nature and the mission of the bride or the nature and the mission of this church. How oftentimes, let's be real clear, that there is a flow to this thing. And so often many of us are, want to get into the flow of Jesus, but it's like we just dip our toe in and we're like, well, how come not in, I'm not in the natural rhythm of what he's up to? I don't feel him working. I don't, I'm not experiencing. I'm not, I'm not feeling the fullness of life that he comes to offer us. And it's often because we're not getting into the flow of what he's doing. And I want to show you what Jesus is up to in this world. It's clearly painted in Matthew 28, which is called the Great Commission. Let's read that. It says this. Next slide. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely, here's the promise that he makes that we sang about, that we declared together this morning, and surely I am with you to the very ends of the age. Clearly, Jesus paints a picture of what our new normal is about what you and I get invited into. I say it this way. Next slide. I say it this way. Once you were the mission, and now you're invited into it. There was a time where all of heaven, God's full heart, rested solely on coming to you, to reaching you, 
And then once he got you, he sucks you up and he spits you back out. So that once you were the mission, and now you get invited to partner with him in carrying out his mission for this uh, for this earth. That's what the Lord is up to. And so the primary function of the church is this missional impulse that spits people out. Let me be clear. We say this around here all the time. Your life will never make sense until this is foundational for you. This life, you will never make sense of this life if you're not flowing in the rhythm of what God is doing. Because this is what God is inviting you into. Once you were the mission, and now he's sucking you up, and now he wants to flow that mission through you. This is what he is doing. And life will never make sense until we align with what he's doing. Now, I want to speak real clearly and bluntly with us this morning. There is a natural temptation for every single church, whether that's here at Riverside or where the global church altogether. There's a natural inclination for the church to move off a mission and to function in maintenance mode. Where the church forgets this missional impulse that pushes people out and we become this thing that's turned inwards, focusing on just maintenance. Where, just feed me. <laughs> just feed me. T- Take, take care of my kids. Like, you need to be doing things. Like, like, it's all turned inwards, all about me, about my needs, about my growth. And you know what happens when that happens? We enter this death spiral of getting out of the rhythm of a life that Jesus invited us into. We are never more like Christ when we get into the rhythm of what he is doing and what his mission for this place, this bride is supposed to be. And so this morning, I wanna invite you into a new normal, into this new normal where you and I are actually partnering with God and getting into the flow of what he is up to because it's remarkable and it's powerful and it's what you are created for. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn over with me to Colossians chapter 4. If you have your phones, grab them out right now. Get out your phones. You're not going to get in trouble. And I want you to go to uh, connect the number two riverside.com. And if you do that and you scroll to the bottom, you'll click and you can find the Bible app and you can take notes. All of the stuff that you see on the screens will be there. It's a great way for you to follow along. I think that'll be helpful for you as we kind of get going this morning. But as you're turning there, the book of Colossians is written by uh, Paul, who also wrote Romans, which we'll be back into in a couple weeks. And Paul is in prison. And yet at this time, it would have been real easy for him to say, man, I've run the course. And yet you see this missional impulse of what Paul did. Uh, what Paul uh, invites us all into. And so what you're going to see this morning is there's Matthew 28, where you have this great commission. And what Paul is going to do is take the letter of uh, Colossians and look at chapter 4 and lay that right on top of Matthew 28. And what he's going to do is he's going to give us some skin and bones and some handles for you and I to actually live out the thing that Jesus has invited us into. Let me be real clear. If this morning seems boring and simple, I would challenge you to say it's practical and foundational. 
It's not boring and simple. It's practical and foundational, and it's part of your identity as a follower of Christ. And so I want to give us some very practical, simple things for us to do so that you can get into the flow of what God is doing. I hope that makes sense for us this morning. And so Colossians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 2. It says this, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open doors for our message so that that we may provide Proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as it should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone who asks you. And so Paul is in prison and you see this missional impulse still in Paul's breath, in his lungs, sending out the gospel to places it's never gone before. And Paul, yes, is clearly set, aside, set apart by God for a specific mission. And Paul, if you go back and you study Paul, you will see that he is called specifically to the outsiders, to the Gentiles, to those that don't know the Lord. And Paul is specifically called an ambassador, a uh, a representative to those that do not walk with Christ. And what you saw in that passage is Paul says this, pray for me, pray for me that I may be faithful to God in what he has assigned me. And he also says this, it's for you too. It's not just for the spiritual elite, but this is a message, this is an invitation for all, for every single one of us. Next slide says this, Paul wants you to know that this is incredibly important. Some are called to share the gospel formally, meaning there are people that are called to be missionaries, theologians, pastors, professors. That's for some of us. But if you are a follower of Christ, all of us are designed and handcrafted to share the gospel relationally. Every single one of us is designed to share the gospel relationally. And here's what I want to say this morning. Just stop it. I mean, just stop this morning, please. Because we say things like that, and and the invitation is, yes, we're all designed and created to share the gospel relationally. And a lot of us would say, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. I, I actually agree with you, John. Here's the problem with agreeing. Did you know there's a problem with agreeing with Jesus? Jesus, oh, I agree. Yes, I need to spend more time with you. Jesus, you're right. I need to be, I I agree with you that I need to be more patient and more loving with my family. Yes, Jesus, I agree with that. I need to be somebody that shares my faith more. And somehow we've bought into this lie that by agreeing with Jesus, it's the same thing as actually walking it out. That actually agreeing with him, yes, Jesus, is the same thing as actually walking it out or doing it. And those things are not connected, they're separated. Agreeing with Jesus is not the fullness of what he intended for you. Most of us, when we talk about sharing our faith, kind of land in a couple of different places and we get stuck on a couple of different things. Next slide, it goes like this. Most of us, if we're talking about sharing our faith, say things like, but I don't know what to say. Like, what do I talk to somebody about? I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the Bible as well as I should. I'm not, I, I, how am I ever gonna be, have the opportunity to share if I don't know what to say? Or a lot of us say things like, man, I just don't wanna be pushy. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't wanna be a, a salesman. 
So in high school, my dad, uh, I grew up in, in high school uh, is when I fell in love with Jesus and I started my relationship with him. And my mom was a believer and my dad was not at the time. And so I grew up kind of in a divided house. And so um, my heart always broke for um, the lost people because I wanted my dad to know Jesus the way that I knew Jesus. And so it was when my faith started to get activated. And at our church on Friday nights at 5.30, they had this class that you could come and you could take. And it was on how to share your faith. And so on Friday nights, me and just a couple of my friends, because we were strange, would go on a Friday night at 5.30 up to the church. And if you've ever been to like a sales training meeting, it was the same thing. Like, hey, if, if, if they say this, you're gonna say this. Like, we don't need any toner. Well, let me show you how you're gonna respond to that, right? Well, if they say no to this part of the story, then I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna be able to answer it with this automated response. And then you know what we used to do? Our favorite place to go? Downtown. We would go downtown to the Freeman Coliseum because that's where the Spurs used to play. And we would camp out front of the Freeman Coliseum and as happy couples and families were walking into the Spurs game, we would stop them and say, hey, friend, <laughs> I have one question I want to ask you tonight. If you died tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? I mean, does that sound like hell to anybody of you guys to do that? It was horribly awkward. And yet what you will see from what we are going to lift out of Colossians is Paul actually gives us some better handles um, than that that this is not a strategic strategy that we put in place, but what you'll see is it's an overflow of your heart and what Paul will ultimately say are some missional practices for us to implement into our lives so that we can share the gospel. And so you will see Matthew 28 begin to take on flesh and bones when we walk through Colossians chapter four. And what I wanna show you this morning is please remember, not boring and simple, but digestible and accessible for us. So this morning, when we talk about like, hey, let me be clear. If, if people are meeting the Lord all around you on a normal basis, if you are seeing marriages get restored, if you are seeing kids turn back to their parents, if you are seeing uh, whole blocks transform because of the love of Jesus, this is not for you this morning. <laughs> this is for those that would say, yeah, I believe God has more for me. And I believe that he has called me to walk in this new flow and this new rhythm. And I want some handles to be able to be faithful to the call that Jesus has on my life. And so what I wanna show you this morning is something very, very simple that let's be clear, every single one of us in this room can do starting right now. And I wanna walk you through it. And the acronym is BLESS. And it's on your phone, so I hope that you are going through on the Bible app. And it's really, really simply, I didn't come up with this. It was uh, something I read years ago, but something that's become central to my understanding of how I do what Jesus is doing. And so B, let's walk through this together. Begin with prayer. Imagine that. Before you share the gospel with somebody, you're beginning with prayer. Listen to what the scripture says. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us that God may open the doors for our message. You have to understand that if you do not hear the voice of your father, how can you know what to do? 
Prayer actually opens doors and unlocks circumstances in ways that could not happen otherwise. Before Jesus does anything, you always see him praying. Before he started his public ministry, before he chose his disciples, before he went to the cross, he is engaging his father in prayer. Wouldn't you think that would be a nice thing for us to model our lives after as well? Absolutely. And so before we do anything, we go to God in prayer. And let me tell you what this looks like real specifically in my life. On my phone, I have an alarm that goes off every morning at 7.30. Why 7.30? Because that's after my kids are in school and the war is over and I have a minute to kind of gather myself. But at 7.30 every single day, I have an alarm that goes off and the alarm is titled, Lord, include me. It's a prayer I've been praying for maybe close to two years now. And the prayer goes like this, Lord, I believe that you're alive and that you're active and that you're up to something in this world and I get to be included in it. So Lord, would you include me wherever I find myself today, wherever my feet may go, I want to be included with whatever you are doing. Whether I go to HEB, to my work, if I bump into my neighbors, wherever I find myself, Lord, would you include me? And I just want to tell you, that is a dangerous prayer, friends. It is a dangerous prayer to pray, Lord, include me. Because you know what will happen? He will. And you're going to be put in, I hate, the, I hate the phrase, the Lord never gives you more than you can handle. I'm like, that's, I don't think it's biblical and I don't think it's true. I think the Lord always gives you more than you can handle so that you can depend on not your strength, but his strength in your life. And time and time again, I come face to face with my own limitations and my own weakness. And it's God help me, Lord include me. You're going to have to flow through me right now. And time and time again, God is, does remarkable, powerful things. And rather than me yapping about how this, I do this, I, I want to invite one of my friends up to share um, how he does this. I've been doing this for about two years now, and I've invited a couple of the guys that I get to meet with on a regular basis um, into this uh, practice too. And so I want to let you listen to him share a little bit of how this looks like in his life. So would you please welcome the newlywed right here, Mr. Serge Martinez. And will you, uh, you can just stand right there and get that mic. To come up? No, or? you got it right okay. there, man. Good, good morning. Um, so, uh, as John said, the alarm goes off every morning, and uh, we start by saying, Lord, include me in uh, you fill in the blank. That's what I do, whether it's gratitude, whether it's graciousness, whether it's love for humanity, whether it's kindness. And then I allow God to work through me and, and take that with me every day. Uh, as I interact with others, I know that I am, I am carrying out God's work. So when we don't meet, uh, we hold each other accountable. Uh, we send text messages. We send even, even video uh, clips. Uh, John sent one, if I may, uh, not too long ago where he left our, our meeting and he picked up a hitchhiker. And he uh, took him where he needed to go and prayed for him. So we're, we're encouraging of, of each other. And those are the kinds of things that uh, we, we've been doing. Uh, so I'll share just a couple of things that, that God has placed on me uh, in the last uh, few weeks and months. Um, during the Christmas holidays, uh, I, I always want to do something to help others. 
that are in challenging situations, uh, difficult situations. So I started to think, okay, well, what can I do? And I asked God, God, help me here. Help me find something. So uh, I decided that I would uh, uh, start a toy drive uh, to gather toys for the children of the Christian uh, uh, Santa Rosa Hospital. And uh, those are children that over the holidays are sick. A lot of them don't um, have, um, you know, what, what I've heard from others is they, they may not have their family there at the time. But so I was able to coordinate through my company and through my friends to where they donated toys and, and we took them to the, to the hospital. So, but I truly, truly felt the, the Lord. I felt God encouraging me and, and pushing me to, to accomplish that. Now, I've always wanted to do something like this in the past, but something always got in the way. Something always came up. There was always an excuse, but not this time because God was with me. Yeah. So a second story, because John told me, keep it oh, short. Here he goes. Keep it going, man. Come he on. told me to keep it short. My son and I, we just love fishing. That's our thing. He's 19 years old, and we've been going for many years. And we typically just go to the coast, Corpus. We, we don't have a boat, so we'll fish off the pier or off the, the, the steps there in Corpus, if you know the, the area. And so a buddy of, um, of, of his, myself, and my son went, and we were fishing, and these two young men approached us, and uh, they uh, were a little intimidating, had tattoos, neck tattoos, uh, tank tops. Uh, so they came up to me and said, hey, uh, are you going to use those fishing poles? And, and I was on, you know, a little bit on guard, because I was thinking, uh-oh, what's going to happen here? Are they going to want to steal from us and run. And, and I thought, okay, uh, well, and I told these guys, I, I told them, I said, guys, I don't have enough bait, but you can fish with us. Why don't you use my fishing poles here? Uh, so one of the boys started fishing, uh, catching fish. And uh, so we started talking and I asked them, so are you guys from Corpus? Do you live here? And uh, they said, no, we're in a halfway house here. Uh, and I'm from Laredo. One of the boys, his name is Eduardo from Laredo. And the other one was from McAllen. Uh, his name was Julio. And one was 19 and the other one was 23. Uh, so I asked him, well, tell me about what, what's going on, the halfway house. And one of them said, well, I was charged with a felony for tampering with evidence after a crime. So he moved things around. Uh, the second young man said he was charged uh, with assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, so he was serving his sentence there. And then I, I was a little bit nervous, uh, <laughs> but I felt God there with me. I felt God telling me, Sergio, this is fine. You're going to be okay. I'm with you. Just talk to these young boys. So we, we continued fishing. We talked to them, um, started, you know, just conversing. Uh, after the first young man was done, I asked the other young man who was still sitting if he wanted a fish, and he said, no, I, I really don't. And uh, so I kept encouraging him, and he's like, well, I, I don't know how to fish. So I showed him how to do, how to, how to use the, the, the to uh, cast out, and, and so he started fishing. And uh, the, the point is that, you know, God presented me with this situation. I gave them a blessing. I asked God, uh, I told them that God loves you and, and, and asked for his blessing over these young men. 
And the point of everything is, for me, it is about spiritual growth. It is about, you know, when these situations present themselves, how, how are you going to react? And there are other things, but uh, in order to keep it short, uh, I'll hand it back to, to John. Yes. Thanks, awesome. John. Awesome. Thanks, Serge, please. Let me be clear. That Serge is right. I had to uh, tell him, you got to stop at some point. That is his new normal. That he wakes up every single day and says, I just want to be included. God, whatever you have in store, just include me. And he could go story after story after story after story of how the Lord has been using him in his life. And I just want to tell you, it's a dangerous prayer. And you are invited into it, friends. Set that alarm on your phone. So here's the deal. Before we do anything, we're going to pray. Uh, that is the B. The next on the list is the L, and that is to listen. Quick side note. Would you say that, more, that Christians are known more for talking or listening? What do you think? <laughs> That's not even a question these days, but I think a faithful way that we can share the gospel is by listening to people's story. Listen to what the scripture says this. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most out of every opportunity. That make the most out of every opportunity is a common phrase that the Jewish audience would have known. It's the idea or the picture of a savvy investor who is looking for ways to invest his resources. So think of it like it's a savvy person in the stock market who's watching the stock market go up and down and he's paying attention. His eyes are open. His ears are, are attentive and he's looking for ways to invest his resources in the market. And that's what Paul says um, we are to do, that we are people that are listening that we are people to listen and to pray, Lord, include me, God, just include me, and that we are, have our eyes open and that our ears are open to listen to the needs of people around us. And so often, my first response then is not, if you die tonight, do you know where you would go? But hey, tell me your story. Did you hear what Serge did with them? Before he ever said anything, hey, do you live here in Corpus? Every single one of us has a story to tell. And the invitation, what I think Paul faithfully overlays with the Great Commission is, we need to be people that are willing to listen to people's stories. That people's stories and their lives are not inconveniences. People, the invitation to listen is an invitation for you and I to love the person whoever we lock eyes with. We have to be people that listen. Um, let me make sure I get his name saved. But Rene Lanac, who invented the stethoscope, you know, the thing that goes boom, 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 that you can listen to. Rene Lanac, is, is that right? Is that, maybe it doesn't do it, but the heart does it. So you put it on the thing. <laughs> the second service, stop it. So they put that on the heart and they listen to it. And you know what he said about that? He said this, if you listen long enough, people will tell you how to heal themselves. And I thought, what a powerful statement that if you listen long enough, your patients will tell them, tell you how to heal them. What a great way for us to think about the gospel that you and I are the type of people that are listening. And what are you listening for? It's what I call the gospel gaps. Gospel gaps, and the gospel gaps are real simple to identify. They're things like, oh man, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> That phone call was unexpected. I didn't know that she was gonna do that. My kid, 
I haven't talked to them in a really long time. Or things are not going well. I'm alone. I'm new here. I don't know anybody here. Those are gospel gaps. Those are opportunities for us to make the most out of every opportunity if we will have the courage to listen and to tune in to the invitation of God. And when you hear those things, what do we get to do? We get to speak words of life and joy and encouragement and of hope into things that could seem utterly darkness, but we got to be people that listen. You can do that. We can be people that first, before we do anything, we can pray, Lord, include me. And then we can look for ways to make the most out of every opportunity by listening. And then third, you're gonna like this one. Come on, we're gonna eat, baby. Woo, right? You will see this over and over and over in scripture. There is a level of relationship or a level of intimacy that happens when you share a meal with somebody. What, uh, what's the first miracle of Jesus? Come on, what's the first thing he did? Where was he? He's a, at a wedding. What is he doing? He's eating. What is the last thing that he does here on earth? Where is he? The night before he dies. Last Supper. The ministry of Jesus is very much classified by eating. Praise God, right? I love that. Uh, there's a story in the, in the gospel where um, Zacchaeus is a wee little man and a wee little man is he. He climbs up a tree to get a look at Jesus because he's not really interested in, in getting to know him. He just wants to catch a glimpse at Jesus. And as Jesus is walking by, before Zacchaeus knows Jesus, Jesus knows Zacchaeus. I love that part. And he says, Zacchaeus, Get out of that tree, young man. I, we're gonna go. And you know where we're going? We're going to church. And we're gonna go, praise God, and we're gonna get you involved in a Bible study, right? <laughs> no, that's not what it says. It says this. Jesus walks by and he says this. Zacchaeus, get out of that tree. I wanna be a guest at your house. I wanna get meaning. In other words, you're not just another number. You're an invitation you're somebody to love. You have the image of the invisible God bestowed inside of you. And it's an invitation for me to love the one I get to lock eyes with. That is powerful. The message of the gospel is so much about eating. Eating is about sharing a meal with somebody. It's about getting to know them. It's about caring for them. It's about getting to, to, uh, um, to fellowship with them. Our Young Life director in our area, his name is Luke Pellman. He came to our staff meeting a couple weeks ago and he said this, and it's powerful. He said this, John, oftentimes I won't even share the gospel with a high school student until they come to my house feel the freedom to go to my fridge, open that door and help themselves to any of my food in my house. And you know what I think he's saying? I think he's really saying, people matter. You matter to me. You're not just somebody to win. This is not just about conversion, but this is about relationship. And I want to get to know you. You belong here. What a powerful picture. Alan Hirsch, who is one of my favorite authors, wrote this, and you're gonna like it. Listen to what he says. Sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers. Missional hospitality, which is such a beautiful word. Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. Come on. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God and all of us said, amen, come on. If every Christian household would regularly invited a stranger, 
or a poor, poor person into their home for a meal once a week. We would literally change, I'll say it this way, we would literally change Bolverde and Spring Branch by sharing a meal with people. How powerful is that? We have 21 meals uh, that we eat. Some of us maybe a little more, but we have 21 meals we eat during the week. What if, what if your new normal was that you tithed one meal a week? That you made your new normal. I got 21 opportunities to eat meals with people and I'm gonna tithe just one. One meal a week to pour in my life into lost people. That people that do not know Jesus. Where I'm gonna open up my house to a stranger or to a poor person or to somebody that's lonely, hurt, a single mom, a dad that's in a tough season. What if that was your new normal? Tremendous missional power would be, is available to us just by something so simple as eating. Every single one of us can do this. Next, L. All right, excuse me. Woo, bless. I can spell it, I promise. B-L-E-S is to serve. Listen to what it says. Um, Let your conversation always be full of grace. Here's the key word, seasoned with salt. I told you a couple of weeks ago, January John is coming in hot, baby. I'm back at the gym. I'm getting in shape. I'm eating healthy. And part of like my regimen is that uh, I'm following this plan. And this plan says this, which is really actually difficult for me. It, they tell me you have to eat three cups of leafy greens at every single meal. Now, how many of you could do that right now? Three cups of liar, liar, liar. All of y'all, liars, all of y'all. None, none of it. So, so my go-to is broccoli. My wife will tell you, we eat broccoli just about five, six days a week. I mean, we eat broccoli all of the time. I was at the grocery store and they ran out this last week. I was so cranky. But, uh, so, um, but I don't just eat broccoli. I put, I put a little olive oil on it and a whole lot of salt. I just season that thing. Why? Because it makes it easier to stomach. It makes it go down a little bit more. Now, what is Paul saying? Don't be somebody that's hard to stomach. You season the mission of God with a little bit of salt. Don't be somebody that's ramming it in somebody's face, but you season the message with a little bit of salt so that it can become easily go down. And you do that by serving. In fact, did you know that you're never more like Christ than when you actually lay your life down for the person standing in front of you? You're never more like Jesus than when you choose to serve and to give your life away for whoever you are coming in contact with. We just started partnering with Sparrow Ministries in Honduras. I can't tell you how excited I am to go back there with them this summer. And you know why we decided to go with them? There's lots of mission agencies out there, but they practice this one. They go out and they serve better than anyone we came across. They didn't go in and start planting all these churches. They went in and they looked for needs, and they looked for ways to serve. They looked for ways to season the message of the gospel by serving and laying down their lives, and I wanna be a part of that. Did you know that you were not created for you? You were created for him and for his perfect uh, uh, purpose, and you are never more like Jesus than when you give your life away. When you bump into somebody and it's an inconvenience, it's not an inconvenience. It's an opportunity for, as we sang, for Jesus to be on display, for Christ to be glorified inside of your life. 
every time you choose to say, it's not about me, I'm gonna come up underneath and serve. Powerful stuff. And lastly, as we wrap it up, is this, is you share your story. Listen to what it says uh, in verse six. Again, it says, so that you may know how to answer everyone who asks you. So in other words, that you and I, ears are open, we're paying attention, we're sharing meals, we're serving people. And when God gives us the opportunity that we are people that will share our story. And just a, just a heads up, I don't know of a bad time to share the transformational story of what God has done in your life. It's always, it's always, it's always, it's always, always, always the right time. Did you notice that I said you don't have to share it? Now, I want to be careful how I say this. I want to be very careful, so please give me some grace. You don't have to share the gospel story. Please be careful. But you share your story. Meaning, you don't have to have perfect exegetical and humanitical understanding of the pericope of revelation. Yes, I know what all those words mean, but you have to be able to speak clearly about the transformational power of Jesus in your life. You speak about what Jesus has done because it is a proclamation of the gospel. The gospel is not a theological pursuit, but it's a reality that you get to enjoy. And when you speak about what God has done, you are actually speaking the gospel message. Do you see how that takes care of it, how it takes care of itself? You don't have to be an expert, but you have to be willing to speak about the transformational power that has happened in you. And I love the story of the blind man at the temple courts. Because one day he comes face to face with Jesus and people go to him and say, oh my gosh, I thought you were the blind guy. What happened? And he says, I don't know. I, I just met Jesus and everything changed. My, I, my eyes became open. And they keep pushing him and they keep pressing him. And, and he finally says, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what you want from me. But things are different now. I have a story to tell. And I'm gonna talk about how Jesus has changed my life. And friends, don't you dare think that your story is small when you place it in God's hands. The story of how God has come into your life, redeemed and rescued you and given you breath in your lungs has the power to set somebody else free. It has the transformational power when you place it in God's hands. Every single one of us, every single one of us can do this. Every single one of us can speak about how God, if you're a follower of Christ, has changed your life. That's why, friends, who you, here's the thing, we can get so lost in arguing right and wrong and forget about, you can't argue the power of a transformed life. You cannot argue with the power of a transformed life. And here's what you need to do. Every one of us can do this. Every single one of us can be people that we're gonna pray. Before we do everything, anything, we're gonna pray. And then we're gonna listen for opportunities, those gospel gaps in, in, in people's lives. And then we're gonna be people that eat and share meals and build relationships. And then we're gonna come alongside and we're gonna get up underneath and we're gonna serve. And when God opens that door, you're gonna have the opportunity to talk about, no, this is real. He's changed my life. And you can speak firsthand about what Jesus has done in your life. All of us can do that. Here's where I want to end this morning. I'm a couple minutes late. I'm going to wrap it up right now, though. Here's where I want us to end. I know um, as a pastor, whenever I meet people, one of the first things they always ask is, uh, how big is the church? <laughs> and, 
I'm fine with that question. I know that numbers represent people, but honestly, it's not the number that concerns me the most. Over and over and over again, do you know the scriptures actually point to one number above all other numbers? It lifts up one number to be the most important number. And do you know what that number is? One. When Jesus is revealing the heart of his father, he says, what shepherd, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the Second Corinthians, I think, says, yeah, Second Corinthians says, all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. One. The number that the Bible lifts up over and over and over again is the power of one. What if your new normal was? I got this. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, because I get to host the presence of God, that I'm gonna be somebody that blesses that I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna build relationships and I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna wait for God to give me the opportunity to share my story. What if that was your new normal? What if you woke up every day with the one in mind? Can you imagine how powerful this, this place could be? The transformational power that could flow out of this place if we focused on one? What if the most important thing you did at church was leave? <laughs> What if the most important thing that you did at church was leave because you were going after the one? Why? Because clearly that's on God's agenda. That is his mission. That is the impulse of what you and I get invited into. So what if you were a person that focused just on one? You may have two, three, it may be your whole family, it may be your whole block that are not walking with the Lord, that don't have a relationship with Jesus. But from this day forward, you are going to start with just one. You are going to pray for the one. You're going to look for opportunities to build relationships, to share meals, to to serve, and ultimately share the good news of how Jesus has changed you. Who is your one? Um, We're going to do something awkward. (laughs) So, uh, you don't go to the gym to feel good about yourself. You know that, right? You go to the gym, you go to the gym because it's hard work, it's uncomfortable, and it helps you build the muscle for becoming the person that you hope to be. Same thing with church. You don't come to church to be, woo, time to get encouraged, time to be blessed, highly blessed. You come to church. Can we just be honest? get uncomfortable, to be vulnerable, so that we can become healthy and we get the invitation to become the thing that God has called us to be. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Can we stand together? If it's weird, you're going to get past it. You're fine. I want you to hold up just your finger like this. And I want you to do this. eyes closed. God, who is my one? Who is my one, Father? Who are you highlighting right now? How can I be a one person person? Let that stir up in you. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's a friend loved one or a neighbor. 
99 goes after the one. We want to be people that our new normal is going after the next one. And so, Father, we're going to stand on this side of heaven believing that you're already at work, that all of us can do this, God, that we are never more like you than we get than when we get into the flow of the Great Commission to go and to make disciples of all the earth, of all the nations, Father. So can we be people that start with just one? We're going to stand on this side of heaven saying thank you in advance that you've gone before us, that you've equipped us, and that you've given us every good work so that we may be built up and equipped to do the ministry of the gospel. So God, would you help us be a one thing person? That we are people that are going after the one next one and the next one. But right here, right now, here's my one. Thank you, God. Thank you. Your heart is always turned to the one. Bless you, Jesus. We welcome you and we'll celebrate now for the good things that you have in store for us of being used by you. It's in Christ's name we pray.